We thank you for the goodness and the mercies that you've extended towards us and the love that you have, the other chance that you've given us because we blew the second one a long time ago. But God, we thank you for your grace today and we pray that your grace and your mercy would so touch us and impact, it and impact us and change us. We love you, God. We adore you. In Jesus' name, shout amen. Come on, high five two people around you and say, hey, do you know God's voice? Do you know God's voice? So guys, this is the last of our current series. You asked for it. Come on, say that with me. You asked for it. And what we've been doing and we do every year is we answer the questions that you have in reference to your spiritual life, what's happening around us. End times is usually one of the top every year requested and we've already covered that. And it's a biblical model that we do because Jesus, many times, the messages he preached were in reference to the questions that people asked him. They asked him things, so he answered with a story. He talked to them about what was happening around them of that day. And it was no surprise once again this year to look at the top six that we had come in. I was pleasantly pleased again with a couple, those who asked, what about spiritual gifts? Those who asked, how can I hear God's voice? But again, it shows the desire that you have in your heart to be used of God and to hear God. And I love that. And I'm thankful that you're getting that, that God has a purpose, that God has a plan for your life. But this is actually the third year that we are teaching the same thought, because this is the third time that you have asked, how do I hear God? How do I know the voice of God? And this year, I want to come at it from a slightly different angle. And I want to really answer the question, how can I recognize his voice? That's the title of our message. How can I distinguish in all the noise of everything? That's, how do I know if it's really God? Is God really speaking to me? And I think this is very important for many reasons, but one specifically because we hear a lot today from Christians, these words, well, God told me, God told me, well, I just feel that God told me to do that. And that's great because God can tell and does tell people. But one thing I will say is this, God doesn't change his mind. A lot of times people are saying, well, God told me to do this. And then the next day God's saying, do something different. That's not good. And it's definitely not God. Because that's not how God operates. If God says something, he's going to bring it to pass. How do we know this? Malachi tells us this. God says, I am the Lord and I do not change. I don't change my mind. I don't change what I have said. So it's so important to realize that we don't serve a schizophrenic God. And we've got to identify that and realize that in our lives. God doesn't have to change for what reason? How can you perfect perfection? Look at this other scripture from Numbers 23, 19. God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent. Has he said and will he not do? Has he spoken and will he not make it good? Notice God's not going to lie like we do. Has he not spoken? God says, if I've spoken it, you can take it to the bank. Because it's going to happen just as I spoke it into being. So be very careful when you say, well, God told me. Because if you know he did, then that's great. But a lot of time people say God told me is just really you saying, hey, listen, I'm not going to listen to anyone else. And I'm not going to take anyone else's advice. I'm just going to do what I want. So be very careful 
with that. But what I've realized today is this. Are you ready? It's not a speaking problem that we have today. It's a listening problem. God is still speaking. God is still instructing His people like He ever has. But the problem is how we listen, if we listen, and when we listen to God. I wrote this down too, and I thought this is really cool. Someone wrote this, uh, and I thought it really goes well. And it says this, If God does not speak to us today, the greatest disservice that we can tell people is that they can have a personal relationship with Him. How can you have a personal relationship with someone who doesn't speak? So if God isn't speaking, the greatest disservice we can give to people is you can know God in a personal way, but yet He's not going to talk to you. And that's so wrong because we know that God will speak. Turn with me to John chapter 10. Here's our passage of Scripture for the day. John chapter 10, verse 2 through 5. And Jesus gives the analogy of sheep and a shepherd. That the sheep are led by the shepherd. He's the shepherd. We are the sheep. And he goes on to say these words in verse 5. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice. And he calls out his own sheep by name. I love that. He's a personal God, meaning what? He is speaking to each and every one of us. He doesn't call out his sheep by the group. He calls out his sheep by name. He knows your name. He knows your life. That's the interaction, the personal experience that God wants to have with you. And he leads them out. Verse 4. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them. And the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Yet, verse 5 says, they will by no means follow a stranger, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of a stranger. They know his voice. They don't know the strange voice. What we just read there is a beautiful picture of the relationship that God wants to have with each and every one of us. God wants to have a relationship that will know His voice. We can see from this passage that Jesus is not frustrating them by speaking something that they are not able to have or live. This is something that he was representing or bringing to them because he had stepped up into the scene where all they knew was religion. They had to go to a priest. They had to go to a man that in turn went to God. Jesus changed everything and he said, listen, I am the life. I am the way. I am the truth. Now you can come through me to the Father. There's relationship that you can have in me and you can know my voice. You don't have to go to someone else and say, was that God? You can know for yourself the voice of God. Jesus also talks about parables. One is the parable of the lost sheep. One day I was reading it and I thought to myself, why was the sheep lost? Why was the sheep lost? The Bible says obviously the sheep was lost because he didn't follow the voice of the shepherd. How many times do we get lost in our lives? Because we don't follow the voice of the shepherd. The voice of the shepherd becomes the stranger's voice in our life because we spend more time on the internet. We spend more time with our friends. We spend more time in other things. So the wrong voice becomes familiar in our lives and we will follow that before. Man, I'm preaching a lot better than you're responding today. Why was it lost? Because it did not follow the voice. So pastor, how do I recognize his voice? How do I know it's God? 
Maybe it's the devil. Maybe it's me. Have you ever eaten too much pizza and cheese and you've dreamt and you're like, man, is that God or is that me? Is that just what's going on in my life? How do I know? How do I know? Close your eyes, every one of you, quickly. I've, I've done this before. And don't look around. Don't peek. You can't cheat in church. It's not good to cheat in church. Okay? I'm going to get someone just to say hello to every one of you. Okay? Keep your eyes closed. Someone's going to say hello. Say hello, everyone. Hello, everyone. Okay, 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 okay. Everyone open your eyes. Anyone know who that was? Okay. Okay, keep your hand up if you knew who that was. Okay. Who, who was that? Renee. Renee. How did you all know it was Renee? Because of his voice, because you spent time. Those of you who did not know it was Renee, okay? Those of you that did not know it was Renee, it's probably because you haven't come on a Friday night. And I'm not slanting anyone. Please, I'm not jumping. You haven't served in the cafe. You haven't gone and got a coffee or something like that. I'm not being bad. I'm just saying that when you've been around Renee, come on, you've heard his voice. Everyone close your eyes again. You ready? Someone else is going to say something. You ready? Tell me if you know their voice as soon as they speak, okay? And you put your hand up. You ready? Hello, everybody. Everyone knows that voice, huh? That was God. No money plan. No money plan. <laughs> Help me, Jesus. Lightning bolts striking down. Why? Because you know my voice. Because you've sat under it week after week. You've heard me speak. You know the voice. You see, the problem with many times is the fact, the reason we don't know God's voice is because we haven't spent time with Him. We haven't spent time with Him. Here's what I want to challenge you with right now. You ready? Sunday to Sunday. So I'm talking about Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. How much time are you putting in to know His voice? If you're just relying on a Sunday service to know God, you're not going to have the fullness of God. Come on, if you're in a marriage with with your spouse and you say, hey, I'm going to give you two weeks out of the whole week or two hours out of the whole week where we're going to talk and we're going to interact, but for the rest of the week, we're not going to say anything. We're not going to be around each other. We're not going to do anything together. Show me what kind of relationship and marriage that you would have. It would be non-existent. But yet we wonder, why is God not speaking to me? Why am I not hearing his voice? Why am I not? Why? Because we maybe walk with him for two hours on Sunday, but then the rest of the week we're gone, chasing after every other voice and every other thing. 1 John 4 verse 1 says this, Beloved, do not believe every spirit. Can you say with me, voice? Do not believe every spirit or do not believe every voice, but we are to test the spirits, plural. We are to test the voices that we hear around us, whether they are of God. Why? Because there are many false prophets who have gone into the world. In other words, there's many false words that are being spoken over our lives. The Message Bible says, my dear friends, don't believe everything that you hear. Carefully weigh and examine what people tell you. Not everyone who talks about God comes from God. What? You better catch this. You better catch this today. There are a lot of lying preachers who are loose in the world today. You've got to test the voice. You've got to test the spirit to see is it of God. Because there's a lot of voices that are saying, thus saith God, that ain't God. 
And I need to know in my life, just like when we stepped out in a new direction as a church, I had to know that was the voice of God that was speaking to me. And I'm going to say something right now that I'm going to teach you just something really simply today when it comes to personal prophecy. A lot of people want to be prophesied over. They want someone to give them a word. And I believe in prophecy. I believe that God speaks through people. But can I tell you something right now? Prophecy should only be a confirmation to that which God has already spoken into your life. Come on, I'm helping you as a pastor right now. If someone's coming over to you and say, man, you need to go to India to be a missionary. If God hasn't been dealing with you about being a missionary and God hasn't been impressing perhaps India in your heart, you better shelve that and put that to the side because that ain't God. And we've got to be so careful because people, through not hearing God's voice for themselves, are believing the lie. They're so desperate to hear God that they're choosing to listen to that which is not God instead of realizing, wow, I can have a relationship with God. And what we've got to realize is even the best can miss it at times. Because you can use the example, we haven't got time today, but Peter, one minute Jesus is saying to them, who do men say that I am? And Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Remember that passage? And Jesus says, flesh and blood hasn't revealed that to you. That's an experience, a relationship with God that showed you that. In the same chapter, Jesus says, I'm going to go up to heaven. And you know what Peter says? You ain't going to go and you ain't going to leave. And Jesus turns to Peter and says, get behind me. What? All of a sudden, God has revealed something to you. You're my man, Peter, I love you. And the next minute, Jesus is saying, that's not of God. You see, even the best can miss it at times. And that's why, don't rely on man to tell you something that God can speak to you personally. And many times it's because of laziness. Because we just don't want. Proverbs 14, verse 12. There is a way that seems right. To man, It feels good. It goes along with my desires. It's what I want for my life. Oh, it tickles my fancy. I like that. But if it's not God's way, the end is not good. The Bible says the way that feels good and seems good is not always the right way. Come on, we can follow the wrong voice. We can go the wrong way in our lives and the wrong way will take us to a place of death. And physical death would be the greatest death that we could have. Because a lot of times people are living dead. And living death is a lot worse than a physical death. There's a pathway, a choice before us all. But which voice is leading you? So pastor, how can I distinguish? How can I recognize? How can I know God's voice? I'm going to give you four tests today. And we've talked about these before. But I'm telling you right now, you put these tests to place in everything that you ask. Is that God, me or the devil? And I'm telling you, this is virtually a foolproof system that will help you to know God's voice every time. Because I'm not talking about one out of the four. Check. We've got to check every box to make sure it's God. Number one, does it line up with the Bible? Does it line up with the Bible? What is the Bible? Have you ever thought about it? The Bible is the Word of God. The Word of God is The word spoken by God that's been written down for us. So really, the word of God, the Bible, is the spoken word that has been written down. The Bible tells us that. 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. NIV says breathed. God 
breathed, inspired, literally spoken. The scriptures were spoken into the authors that wrote that. They weren't the authors. Let me change that. There's one author in the Bible and there's 60 plus writers. How can we say it that way? There's one author, which is God. And I don't know how many. I think it was quite a few authors or writers rather, but one author. God breathed that and spoke his word into them. And the Bible says that that word is given by the inspiration of God and it's profitable for us because it gives us doctrine. It teaches us what's right and wrong. God's voice teaches me what's right and wrong. What else does God's voice want to do? It wants to reproof. What does that mean? Sometimes it has to rebuke me. Philip, you're not right. You're out of line. What else does God's voice want to do? His word. It wants to correct us. Literally to change, I believe, the course or the direction of a life. You're going the wrong way. You just need to... Come on, as parents, when we correct our children, what are we doing? We're realigning them to the right way. That's what God's voice, His Word wants to do. And for instruction in righteousness. In other words, training to live the right life. Training to live a life that will honor God. That's what His Word, His voice, the Bible wants to do for us. And so when we see God's Word, we understand that His voice will never contradict His Word. I said that. Let me say that again. His voice will never contradict His Word because they are the same thing. Look at this example. And this is one of many. The religious leaders came to Jesus and they were arguing, they were debating about divorce. And they said to Jesus in Matthew chapter 19 and verse 3, the Pharisees came to Jesus and tested Him and said to Him, is it lawful for a man to put his wife away to divorce his wife for just any reason. Verse 4, And Jesus answered and said to them, Have you not read that he who made them at the beginning made them male and female? And he said, Or it is written, For a reason a man shall leave his father and mother and shall be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. They came to try to test Jesus, but notice his response. Have you not read? It is written. He didn't respond with opinion. He responded with the Word. He was the Word. The Word became flesh and dwelled amongst us. But here's the truth that he's presenting to them. They're trying to trick him. They're trying to test him. But Jesus said, here's the one sure thing that I know, my Word. So he gives them his Word. If you're coming to me or anyone for counsel, Their opinion, my opinion, shouldn't matter. Listen to me. It shouldn't matter what I think. What matters is what does God's Word say. Because my opinion doesn't matter, but I'm telling you right now, my opinion, your opinion, can affect and harm people in their lives. Come on. People can sure suffer the effect, and it can sure alter lives and, and the course of their lives. Because why? My opinion, if you could put that up, my opinion doesn't matter, but it sure can alter and affect a lot of things. Luke 21, verse 33, Jesus says, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. In other words, my words are truth. They're going to be truth today. And they always will be truth. Even laws today have changed in this nation. But I'm telling you right now, laws don't even change the Word of God. 
God's word is truth. God's word, he defines what marriage is. He defines who should be married, a male and a female. The laws want to change that, but God's word is still the truth that we need to live by in our lives. But the key thought to God's word is this. His word has to be in proper context. It's been taught as the whole counsel of God. What do I mean by that? We can take a scripture out of context and we can make it fit in every way that we want it to. And remember this, that we don't take God's word and fit it into our lives. We take our lives and fit ourselves into God's word. But that's what we want to do. We want to take a little bit from here and a little bit from there. And, oh, I can make that fit and I can make that. And God says, if I want to be happy, then I want to. We can take the context and use it wrong. But we've got to look at the whole counsel. When Jesus was tempted by the devil, what did Satan tempt him with? The word. The word of God. He said, did not God say? That man shall not. He, he, he tempted him. By, and what did Jesus, what was his reply? He replied back with the word. You see, Satan took it out of context, but Jesus brought it back into full context. And so when we're looking at the word of God, we're looking at the Bible, we've got to look at the context of the word and realize that what God speaks will never go against his word. God will never contradict his word because his word is him. Wow. Number two, will it make me more like Christ? The second test, will it make me more like Christ? Well, I just really believe this job's of God. Oh, really? Okay, talk to me about it. Well, I'm going to be out of church for three months. You better know that's God. Because I don't see how much more like Christ you're going to be if you're going to be away from church for three months. Some people can handle it. I'm telling you right now, I wouldn't want to put that to the test. I know people have seasons. I know people have to go through. I understand all those things. But what I'm saying is this. Is this going to make me more like Christ? Everything that glistens is not gold. So is, uh, is Christ going to be glorified? Will I become? And, and that's what we've got to realize. Because you see, after salvation, the first goal for every one of our lives has to be to know God. But after we know God, what's the next goal? The next goal should be, I want to be like God. I want to become in his image. I want to become more like him. Every day, that's what I strive to be. I strive to be more Christ-like. Paul said these words. He said, would you follow me as I follow Christ? He wasn't saying, look at how good I am. He was saying, look at the example of my life. And my example of my life is this. I, I want to be led by God. I want to be like Christ. And would you follow that example? Would you follow the example of let's be like Christ? Look at this statement, none of us are where we need to be, but we're also not where we used to be. We're not where we, we haven't arrived yet, but we sure have come a long way from what we were and who we were. And we've talked a lot about this lately, and the reason why we have is because we feel it's so important. We've been talking about small groups and the importance of groups. Why? Because we believe life change happens in relationships. We we want to take the world, the church to the world. We want to reach those outside of our door. And we've been telling you over and over again, get in a group. Get in a group. Why is that? Because I really believe that when we get around other Christ-minded people, we can begin to rub off on each other. 
And we can help each other to shape our life. That's what I love about church so much. If I want to know how to be a dad, I can look around and see great dads and I can learn from their example. If I want to know about business, I can get around business people. That's something great that the church offers people. If I want to have a more successful marriage, let me get around people who are successful. That's what church offers. That's the same thing that groups offer. If I want to be more like Christ, I want to be around people who are modeling that. Or can I say it this way? I want to be around people who are struggling through that like me. That together we can grow. Come on, James 5.16 says we come together, we can confess our faults, we pray together so healing comes. Meaning what? None of us are perfect. We can bring healing to each other. Not just to you, but we can bring each other healing. And I love the scripture that says we can spur each other on. We can encourage each other. You see, so I asked you the question from Sunday to Sunday, how much are you putting in to your relationship? How much are you putting in to hearing the voice of God? And I think that's where groups can really help us because we can hear the voice of God in a different way. Just by hanging out and having friendships and great things. You know, I love sports. I've always loved sports. And one thing I've realized is this. If I want to be a better athlete, I've got to compete and I've got to play against people who are better than me. If you want to be better at anything, you've got to have someone that's going to stretch you. I'll say this today. I'm an average golfer, but you know why I'm an average golfer? I'm an average golfer because pretty much all I've played is average golfers. So when you're an average golfer playing average golfers, you don't have to really up your game. I remember a young girl in our youth group many years ago, um, she was getting married. Her dad came in town and she said, I I told my dad that you would take him out to play golf, that you love to play golf. I said, that's great. I said, what's his handicap? She says, two. If you're a golfer, that's pretty good. Can I tell you right now, that's close to pro. I'm I'm like a 12. I'm like a 14. I'm like way down there. And I'm like, oh my God, help me, Jesus. So the first thing I do when I see him is this, man, I'm not really a golfer. I like to play golf. But can I tell you, that was the best round of golf I almost ever had. Why? Because when he's there and he's hitting a great shot, I'm like, man, I have to do something right now. Can't look a fool right here. And it ups your game. I played squash. Anyone ever heard of squash? Squash is like racquetball. It's played in a court. It's something that we have in England. It's a longer racket. It's got a small ball that really has little or no bounce. I remember a friend of mine, he, he actually had come over from South Africa, and he said, man, I, I want someone to play squash with. Can we play twice a week? I'm like, man, let's go for it. Man, I went on the squash court. I thought I was pretty good because I'd played some. Man, he whooped me so bad. I mean, it was embarrassing. We played for an hour and a half, and he tore me up. It went to, it went to 15 was the game. I, I scored that night. No joke. Seriously, if I'm lying, I'm dying. I scored three points that night. We played about seven, eight games. He killed me. He, and he said to me, uh, you want to play again Thursday? I'm like, man, if you want me, I'll play Thursday. I played with that guy for about four months, and I didn't beat him one game. One game in four months. And the week I left to come over to America was the last week I played with him. And can I tell you, the last night, I whooped him. (laughs) One game. I whooped him by one point in one game. It wasn't really a whooping, but I beat him. But now, can I tell you, after that, anyone I played squash against, it was no competition because I was good. Because I had been stretched. And that's what small groups wants to do. It wants to stretch you. That you can come around other people, that you can learn together. If, if all you've heard 
when we've listed small groups is, I can't believe they don't have Wednesday night services anymore. Then really, the problem is not us. The problem's you. Because if you were relying just solely on Wednesday nights to feed you spiritually, the problem is a lot bigger than you realize. Because you've got to be a self-feeder. We, we need to teach people to be self-feeders. You've got to feed yourself. You've got to feed yourself. And, well, I just want to come and take, 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 take. Yeah, that's the problem with most people, a consumer mentality when it comes to church. And we're changing that because now we're creating a culture where we're going out into the world and we're taking the church and we're reaching other people. And we're having fun doing it. Come on, some people, I've talked to some people who were jitterbugging on Tuesday. They had a blast. Uh, I've talked to Christy and the youth. They had a great time all hanging out together. I'm talking to people who are learning about getting their finances. They had a great time. We had a great time, Danny, at lunch, didn't we, on Tuesday? An awesome time, just hanging out and eating and talking about Jesus uh, and just looking at our lives. And I'm telling you right now, it's a good thing, but it's good. Why? Because we want you to become more like Christ. Philippians 2 verse 5, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. In other words, the Bible is telling us we've got to think and act like Jesus. His mind, his thoughts. 2 Corinthians 10 verse 5, the last part of that verse says, we've got to bring every thought of ours into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Notice, we've got to follow what Christ did. We want to, what did he do? He was obedient even to death. We, we need to follow our lives, bringing our thoughts, our lives into line with how Christ acted. In other words, I need to be like him. So is it God? So is it God? James helps us with this too. If we don't know what it means to be Christ-like, and maybe you don't, maybe this is new to you, and that's fine. Because we want people to know God and we're going to help you know God. But if this is new to you and you say, well, pastor, I don't know what it means to be Christ-like. God gives it to us in his word. James tells us, look, James 3, 17 and 18. This is from the New International Version. It says this, but the wisdom comes from heaven. is first of all pure. If I'm going to be Christ-like, here's the list. It needs to be pure. That email, those words, those things that I'm... I mean, is it pure? Is it right? What am I filling my life with? Is it pure? Is it right? Is it Christ-like? And then it goes on to say, is it peace-loving? Is it considerate? Is it submissive? Is it full of mercy and good fruit? Is it impartial and sincere? Am I a peacemaker who sows in peace? Because if I am, I will reap. A harvest of righteousness. If I'm going to be Christ-like, is my life pure, peace-loving, considerate, submissive, merciful? Is there good fruit that comes? Am I impartial? Am I sincere? Am I a peacemaker? That's a good list to be working on right there. Because if I'm going to be like Christ, that's characteristics of a Christian right there. Meaning what needs to be present in our lives. Remember those old wristbands, WWJD? What would Jesus do? If we ran everything through that filter, man, our lives sure would change. I wonder what Jesus would do in this situation. Someone just slapped me upside. I wonder what Jesus would do in this situation. Huh? Think that before you respond and then say, whoops, Jesus wouldn't have done that perhaps. What would Jesus do? You see, there can be infidelity in a marriage. And the world can say, and even the Bible can say there's reason for divorce. But you know what? There's also reason for love and reconciliation. What would Jesus do in that situation? 
Why? Because one thing we do know, he wouldn't contradict his word. And he certainly wouldn't want us to do anything that wouldn't make us more like him. Number three, does godly counsel agree? Does the right counsel agree? (laughs) You can always find someone that will tell you what you want to hear. But you need to make sure it's what you need to hear and not what you want to hear. Proverbs 11, 14, where there is no counsel, the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there's safety. But the key is not just the amount of people you go to. It's the right people. It's in the godly counsel. Because are you getting opinion or are you getting the word? And we need just not the word. We need the word in proper context. I can be honest with you right now. I've had a lot of people who've come in my offices and come in for counsel for marriages and, and issues and problems that they're having. And man, you, you can just hear her talk and, and you just want to say, man, your husband's a jerk. I would leave him too. Come on, I'm just being honest. You hear people talk about stuff and you're like, man, man, I would have slapped him too. That's what you want to say because that's your opinion. But what you have to say is this. You know what? God loves your marriage. God loves your home. God wants to fight for your marriage and for your family. God wants, God can heal that. God can restore. You see, it's not opinion that matters. It's God's word. And a lot of people are counsel shopping. It's like doctor shopping. If he won't give me the medication I need, I'm going to go somewhere else. A lot of people are doing that today. I've had some people in our church that have come and said, man, I've already talked to Pastor Pete and I've already talked to Pastor Robert and I want to know what you think. I'm like, man, what they've told you did owe me because here's what I instruct Pastor Pete, Rob, all of our pastoral team, anyone who's counseling people here, here's what I instruct them. We don't counsel on our opinion. We counsel on the word of God. In fact, I've got this picture outside of my door. I think I've got a copy of it. Do not enter unless you want to hear the truth. That's on the wall just outside of my door in my office. Why? Because at the end of the day, the truth's going to change your life more than my opinion. Because my opinion could just screw you up more. But the truth will set you on the right path and set you straight. So we're not about opinion. If you want someone to just tickle you and and say you're doing all right if you're really wrong, don't come to us because we're going to tell you, you better shape up real quick. Because that's what we have to, because one day your blood's going to be on our shoulders and we're going to be responsible for you. Because as a pastor, I have to stand and give an account for the sheep that have been under me before I give an account for my life. And yes, we get it wrong because we're human beings too. But that's why you can hear for God yourself. You have the word of God for yourself. And that's why you test the spirits to see if it's of God or not. You try the spirits to see. Proverbs 12, 15. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes. But he who heeds counsel is wise. Proverbs 19, 20, 21. Listen to counsel and receive instruction that you may be wise in latter days. I love that. The wisdom that God has isn't just for today, but it's going to be for your future too. Verse 21. There are many plans in a man's heart. Nevertheless, the Lord's counsel, that will Stand. Proverbs 24, 6. For by wise counsel you will wage your own war. And in a multitude of counselors there is safety. Come on, you're going to win that battle with the right word. You're going to wage your own war. Come on, you're going to be victorious through having the right word. There's power in agreement. The Bible tells us that. 
And let me give you a snapshot of my life. When, when I'm asking God, especially for important things in my life, I always ask God to confirm it three times. Because I believe there's power in agreement. I don't want to just hear from someone that's saying, man, that's a great idea, Pastor. I, I want to know. I have to know it's a good and God idea. Not just a great idea. I need to know it's a God idea. And so I ask for God to confirm it three ways. Through different people in different ways. And that's a good thing. Why? Because God will always confirm his word. Remember Gideon, God, if it's you, let the fleece be dry and the ground be wet. Good job, God. But can I just try that one more time? Can we reverse that? Can you make the fleece wet and the ground dry? Well, I can't believe he didn't trust God. No, God's not unhappy with us not trusting him. But when God does give the confirmation, that's when God gets unhappy if we don't yield and we don't follow. God's not upset about us questioning, but when he answers the question, we then better be prepared to move because that's when the struggle happens. It's like the joke of the guy who prayed, God, if it's your desire for me to eat Krispy Kreme. Let the light be on. Anyone know what I'm talking about? Let the light be on. Guy, guy drove past and the light wasn't on. So what did he do? He drove around the block three times until the light came on. Amen. It's God's will. It's going to be God's will. One minute. Come on. Amen. There it is. Praise God. Listen to me. Here's a great statement. If you don't get anything else today, this is a good one. God doesn't need your help. God needs your obedience. God needs your obedience. If there's no agreement, stop. No red light on, stop. It's not going to happen. Number four, do I have a peace? Oh, this is a good one. Do I have that inner peace inside of me? Do I have that comfort, that rest? Am I peaceful about it? Look at this statement from Chris Hodges. Oh, I didn't put it up there, sorry. I, I love this statement by Chris Hodges. Listen to what he says. He says, we don't just worship a God. We have a God within us. Just picture that. We don't come to church and worship a God. We are worshiping God, but we have that God inside of us. And I love the picture of that. Why? Because one of the names of the God that lives inside of us is the Prince of Peace. So we have that peace, that blessed assurance inside of each and every one of us. He doesn't bring us peace. That's who he is. Isaiah 9 verse 6, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders. His name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, what? Prince of Peace. I put this up last week, but it's still really good. If there's no Jesus, don't try and force the peace because there's no peace. But when you know, come on. It's Jesus. When you know it's His voice, you can know the peace that God wants to give to your life. 1 Corinthians 4.33 For God is not the author of confusion, disorder, but God is the author. He's the one who brings peace. Philippians 4, 6 and 7. I don't have to be anxious for anything, but in everything I can give it to God by prayer and supplication. In other words, I can have a relationship with God. And when I have that relationship, come on, my life changes because I can make my request be known to God and the peace of God, which goes beyond, surpasses my understanding, guards my hearts and my mind through Christ Jesus. Even when it's a tough decision, I can have a peace that God can guard my heart and God can guard my mind. That word understanding there means beyond human reasoning. God wants to give us peace beyond what we can comprehend with our minds. 
And He wants to guard our hearts. The picture is like a sentry. Someone standing on patrol. I've been to London. I've been to the Tower of London. I love it. And you see those guys standing on patrol. Man, you can't get close to them. If you overstep the line to take a picture, they're going to take you out. And they are there with a purpose. They're not there just to look pretty. They are there to protect and they are there to guard. That's what God wants to do. He wants to put His peace outside of your heart. That even in the toughest times, it's that sentry that will keep your heart safe and will protect you. So does it check the boxes? Does it check the... Has it contradicted His word? Come on, what's the second one? Will it make me more like Christ? What's the third one? Does godly counsel agree? What's the fourth one? Do I have a peace about it? And I'm telling you right now, if it doesn't check all the boxes, there's two choices you have. Number one, discard it. And I think that's the best choice. And the second one is to shelve it. Why? Because God may have something right for your life, but it's the wrong time. And something right in the wrong time is just as wrong as something wrong in your life. Because His timing is just as important as His word that's spoken. I'm going to close with this. Are you ready? Spending... Time with God is key to hearing His voice. It builds relationship. Literally, it prepares your heart. So how how do I spend time? How do I prepare my heart? Let me give you three quick things. Are you ready? The band can come back. You can come back. Number one, I've got to tune in every day to God. I've got to tune in every day to God. In other words, that means I don't just pray to pray. That means I don't just read my Bible to read my Bible. What that means is this, I've got to understand the purpose. Why should I pray? Why should I read the Bible? Because that's a tool to relationship. That's how I can know God. So I've got to choose every day to tune into God. I've got to make that choice. If I'm not intentional about it, I'm going to be tuned out by so many other things. And that's the second thing. If we're going to tune into God every day, then we also need to, number two, we need to tune out the things that are opposed to God. Revelations 3.20 says he's knocking at the door. The Bible doesn't say he's kicking the door down. He's knocking on the door. Why? Because the handle of the door is on the inside. The handle of our heart is on the inside. We have to open the door to him. Come on, we've got to choose to tune out all of those things. Take stock of your life. What's taking space from God? doesn't always mean it's wrong, but can be the right thing in the wrong place. And that's why Paul tells us in Hebrews 12, verse 1, we've got to lay aside every weight and the sin. Because it may not be a sin today, but if it's in the wrong place, it could affect us tomorrow. So we've got to make sure that we're tuning into God by tuning out of everything that's opposed to God. And then number three, you've got to start taking steps towards what God has spoken. You've got to start walking that out daily. Begin to live it. Don't just talk about it. Well, I'm praying about it, Pastor. Well, what are you doing? Well, I'm praying for a job. Well, what are you doing? You've got to start taking steps. You've got to start selling your stuff. You've got to start going on interviews. You've got to start promoting. You've got to take those steps that you have. You've got to be intentional in your life. Come on, you asked for it. I hope this has helped you today. Because how do I recognize? How do I know? You can know and you can recognize. I'm telling you, the way is through God's Word. And you can't skip any of those tests and say, well, that's God. 
because God will confirm himself through every one of those ways each and every time. Each and every time. As you bow your heads today. God takes Elijah one day up onto a mountain. Elijah's just called fire down from heaven. He's seen the prophet of Baal just taken out. But now he's running for his life because Queen Jezebel says, I'm going to kill him. And he's angry and he's mad at God. And God says to him, I'm going to show you who I am. And God causes him to come out. You can read the story in 1 Kings chapter 19. God causes him to come out. And the Bible says that God was a wind so strong that that wind ripped through the rocks. That's a strong wind. But God says, I'm not in the wind. And the Bible says there was an earthquake and the ground around him shook. Could you imagine how terrifying that must have been? But God says, I'm not in the earthquake. And then there was a fire. Man, the heat that he felt. His hair was probably singed on his body. God says, I'm not in the fire. But then the Bible says there was a gentle whisper. A still, small voice. And when Elijah heard that still, small voice, he fell to his knees. Because he knew that was God. You see, so many times we want the manifestations of God that we fail to have the God of the manifestations. We want what God gives us instead of having the giver in our lives. Because God is saying, I can do all those things, but what God is saying is, here's what I desire, relationship with you. You want to know my voice? It doesn't have to be an earthquake. It doesn't have to be wind. It doesn't have to be fire. It can just be a still, small voice. But we're so tight in relationship together that you can know that voice, that you can sense that voice, that you can obey that voice. So here's my call today. Before you stand today, here's what I want us to stand into today. Are you ready? I want us to stand into a greater relationship. I want us to take those steps forward today from where we're at. Saying, God, I want to know you in a greater way. God, I want to have that relationship. Because I know, God, the problem is not your speaking. The problem's my listening. But God, today I'm ready to listen like I've never listened. Come on, if that's you today, would you just begin to stand all over this place? We're just going to worship God right now. Come on, just begin to stand right now. Come on, just begin to stand right now.